0: Good morning. I have seen some new faces here this morning, so if we have not met yet, my name is Nathan. Thank you for being here this morning. We are a church that it's very simple. It's above our doors as you come in the sanctuary here. We want this to be a place where you connect with Jesus, connect with people, and you have the opportunity to connect people with Jesus. So we'd invite you to come back and join us again. Well, I need to ask everybody in here right now to take a trip down memory lane, and I want you to think back to a time when you were a kid and you got in trouble. And, and this I don't just mean any kind of trouble. I mean the kind of trouble that you knew you'd maybe laugh about it one day, but not any time in the next 10 years. That kind of trouble. And there, there's this thing I asked my wife the other day, and I'm going to ask you in a moment, but don't, don't yell out the answer yet. I asked her, um, what, is, what, is, what do you think the universal sign is from your parents when you when you're not just in trouble, you're in massive trouble. And so I just, in my mind, the answer is very straightforward. And, and I wanted to see if it was that straightforward for everybody, but I thought I'd ask her. And so I said, Kara, w- what's that universal sign that, that you know you're in huge trouble by your parents? And she's like, uh, when they give you the look. And I was like, no, no, that's, that's every time, okay? Um... <laughs> I mean like when you're really in trouble. And she said, they uh, ground you. And I was like, did you ever get in trouble ever? So let me ask you, what is the universal sign from a parent that you are in big trouble? They use your middle name. All right. I was starting to get, get worried. So yes, when they use your middle name, and that was the case when my sister and I were kids. Listen, some of you know my parents, David and Luetta Harrison. They greet you with smiling faces out here in the foyer, and I have stories, okay? <laughs> if they said Nathan, Alan, or Kyla, Marie, I mean, it was Hurricane Luetta and Hurricane David. Like, <laughs> category 20, automatically. And we would, we would pray our way up the stairs, and, and in the middle of the prayer, I'd look at Kyla and be like, you're taking the fall. I, I don't even care if I did it. You are taking the fall for this. And so we've all, we've all known trouble. And the reason I bring that up is because last week we began going through this series through the book of Jonah. And while it's only about a four-page book of the Bible in most Bibles, we're going to be in it for a couple months because it is so rich. In fact, we only got through like three verses last week, and the reason we only got through three verses is because the book begins and it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And so far, so good after verse one. Verse two is when all the trouble starts. It says, but Jonah. In other words, Jonah had different plans, and we learned Jonah ran, Jonah ran. And the way Jonah and the way we know that Jonah is in some trouble is right where we're going to pick up today. It's in verse 4. Here's what it says. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. It's as if the Lord said, Jonah Allen. Jonah Allen. I don't know if that was his middle name, but I think it's the best one out there. Jonah Allen. <clears throat> the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. and some translations say hurled. Isn't that cool imagery? You know, we hurl a ball, God can hurl a storm onto the sea. The Lord hurled a storm onto the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Now, as we dive into this, there's something you have to know, that when it comes to the storms we encounter in life, when it comes to those storms, not all storms are because of our personal sin, but all sin will bring a storm, and Jonah is about to discover this. And the question for us, whether there's a storm that is of our own making or not, one of the consequences of living in a sin-tainted, sin-soaked world is that we're going to walk through storms, and they may not be your own doing. They may not, they, you may not even be able to connect the dots between the storm you're walking through and, and any sort of conduct But we just live in a fallen world, and there are going to be storms. And so the question that I want to ask us this morning, as we continue through Jonah, is what, I want us all to ask ourselves, what is my norm in the middle of life's storms? What is our norm in the middle of life's storms? Because as the book of Jonah continues, there is a dot connecting moment right here even at the beginning of Jonah that has everything to do with how we answer that question and how we will operate all the other days of the coming week, every single week of our lives. And so, you immediately see the first option when you get to verse 5. Here's what it says. First option. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now, if you just look at that verse... Isn't it true you might be able to recognize your own life? Or maybe you recognize someone else's life that you walk next to in the week? That, that it's a life that's filled with desperate prayers, isn't it? Well, because we can look around us and just pick something. It's real easy to see little G gods that we cry out to, isn't it? But it goes on. It says part of that crying out that we see in the world around us is this. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. This is not a cruise ship, okay? This is centuries upon centuries ago. What kind of ship do you think this is, based on what it just said? It's a cargo ship. In other words, this is their livelihood. And when the storms of life come along, we see here something that's still true today, that there are things that we thought were really important that we will throw overboard in order to just keep our heads above the water in the middle of life's storms. And the truth is, whether, whether that's your experience or not, we walk in the midst of people that that's their experience every single week. Desperate prayers and desperate measures. And it can make us do some very desperate things. And so the first response that you get from Jonah here is that we can, in the middle of the storm, one option is to cry out. The USS Indianapolis was a was a battleship in World War II. It was a supply ship, actually. And in 1945, in the summer of 1945, the USS Indianapolis had delivered some supplies to a fleet of ships in the Pacific. And on its way back, what happened was it got hit by a Japanese torpedo. And this Japanese torpedo basically it began. I mean, it just took out the ship. Immediately, out of the 1,200 men on the ship, 300 of them were lost. Over the next 24 hours, of the 900 remaining, just under 600 died, which left about 300 in the water. And one of the ones in the water was the chief medical officer of the ship. And in a later interview, he survived, but in a later interview, he said it it was all he could do. He had to actually try to hit some guys in the water to keep them from taking this really desperate measure. Because the danger for these guys in the water was not necessarily the elements, and it wasn't the sharks or anything like that in the water. The danger for them was this incredibly desperate measure that they took. You can imagine the sun beating down on them. And when you're floating in water, it looks it looks like usable water. And many of the men began to drink the salt water. And that's the situation you and I walk into every single week. When we leave these doors, we walk amongst people that are taking desperate, desperate measures, and their lives are filled with desperate, desperate prayers because they just don't know better. And it's all they can do. They're trying to keep their heads above the water, and yet, it's taken them down. And that was the cause of so many, of the remaining 300, the death of the remaining 300, Now, that's one option, and it's an option that if you open your eyes and look around, you can see it all over as you walk through the week. But there's another option, and this is the option that Jonah opted for as we read the next verse, or the next part of the verse. But Jonah, but Jonah, so this is the second time in five verses we've heard, but Jonah, Jonah did something else. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, I don't know why Jonah slept. I mean, on the one hand, you could imagine anybody who can sleep in these kinds of conditions and who can see the people around them going through this, anybody who can sleep, it could be just a false sense of security where they just go, you know what, not going to deal with it, I'm, I'm good. And they're thinking about themselves. But there's, there's another reason maybe he was sleeping. And we saw this last week. If you weren't here, we put up this map of what God asked Jonah to do. I'm going to put it up here again. This, this mission right here, it's about a five to 600-mile mission that God asked Jonah to go on. Do you know what Jonah did? Next map. That little zoomed-in piece was the, is the right side of that map there. That, that estimated distance to where Jonah decided to go and decided to run to over three or four times the original distance. In other words, maybe Jonah is sleeping because Jonah is absolutely exhausted. Because that's what happens when we run from God. We run in a direction that he doesn't want us to go, and we can get so exhausted that we could actually check out, that we could actually lose awareness of those around us. And it goes on. Verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? How can you sleep right now, Jonah? When you see the storm and you see what we're going through, how? I mean, how can you actually fall asleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And this brings up a question. Why? Why is the captain concerned? And Jonah's not. Why can the captain see the other people? And why can the captain see the gravity of the situation? But Jonah is completely checked out. Jonah, how are you going to go to the city of Nineveh? In fact, you want to ask God. God, you picked him? You were going to send him to a great city? He can't even see the few people on the ship with him. And what Jonah has done is he's seen all the crying out, and he went with a second option in the, in the middle of the storm. Jonah checked out, completely unaware of the gravity of the situation. Now, I'm reminded of this. I feel like one day I may just end up writing a book about our son or maybe our children, but we, our son Lincoln, okay, this is about a year ago. Lincoln, we had one of those moments in the house where I heard my wife say, Lincoln Allen. Yeah, he's in trouble, okay? He'd been asked to pick some things up and just said, yeah, I'll do it, yeah, I'll do it, didn't do it. So she said, Lincoln Allen, come down here right now. And I heard this voice from upstairs that said, You come up here! (laughs) And I went, Somebody's not aware of the gravity of the situation. (laughs) So finally, they compromised. Caraba's at the bottom of the stairs. Lincoln's at the top of the stairs. And she said, Get down here right now. Lincoln Allen, second time. Lincoln Here's his response. Okay, and I flash back to my childhood. That was cue to be downstairs. Lincoln goes, Ooh, mom, you are so mad. <laughs> I just went, He doesn't understand. <laughs> he does not understand the hurricane that is about to descend upon him. And actually, I didn't either because she looked at me and I was trying to decipher the look like, does this look mean bring reinforcements? Or, Because I was going to record this, actually. That's what I was hoping to do. <laughs> I chose reinforcements. Otherwise, uh, we'd be watching it right now. But um, I don't think I'd be alive to, to be here to tell you about this. And so, but this is what happens. You know, in so many ways, we check out. And we're not aware of the gravity of our situation. And so... As you look at these two options in the middle of the storm, I want to point us to a third option. But in order to do that, I've got to ask us to consider, is it possible that those are the only two options we often walk with? I can cry out to you, God, and it's hopeless and it's desperate. Or I can check out and I can just forget about it and I can can find other activities, other things to do that will distract me. Because I think a lot of us, by the time we get into the middle of life's storms, if you're like me at all, I've had a history of going, you know what, I ran. I ran from him. And, and, and we tend to say things like, I'm too far gone. And we think about our relationship with God as though we ran from him and that he's still back there. And, and that it's a long journey back. And so to turn that notion upside down, I want to take you to another storm in Scripture, another person sleeping with another option. And as you look at this storm, truth be told, the intensity of the storm is pretty similar. The kind of sleep is very different, but the option that we have available to us is much, much better. Three of the Gospels record this account, but I want to go to the one, it's in Mark chapter 4, And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus has been teaching people throughout the day. And as evening came, Jesus invites his disciples to go out on the water. Here's what it says. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. Now, uh, this is so interesting for me because Jonah's storm was because Jonah ran. The disciples' storm was because they followed. And it's a reminder that as long as you and I live in this world, just because we've maybe tried to be perfectly obedient, tried to please God in every single way, does not mean we're not going to walk through storms. They were just as subject to a storm as Jonah was. Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, you you sit here and you read this, and you think, Jesus, this is kind of a reminder of Jonah. How can you be asleep? But as you read about Jesus, and as you listen to Jesus, this is a different kind of sleep, isn't it? Why can Jesus sleep in the middle of the storm? Because Jesus had perfect trust in his heavenly father, the one who was sovereign over all the storms of this world and in this life. Do you know anybody like that? That like in the middle of a storm, they just seem to be at peace? For, for my sister and I growing up, okay, my dad was in the Coast Guard and then he was in the Navy, or he's in the Navy and then in the Coast Guard. Okay, so he'd spent a lot of time on the water. And he had seen, you know, we get Colorado storms. Okay, but, but if you're a sailor with the military, you have seen storms. And I remember we would get one of our Colorado thunderstorms. And it was enough to send my sister and I, like, we would build a couch fort and we would just hide under there for hours, maybe days. And I can't remember. It was a long time. And I remember thinking we'd hear the thunder crash and we'd go, this is it. We're done. Where's mom? And mom was right there. Mom, where's dad? And she's like, well, dad's outside. (laughs) And not just like under the porch, like roof covering outside, like in the middle of the yard. And it was like, because this was nothing to him. He had handled this before, and and because he was a sailor, I mean, I I could tell you all the lingo that he had. He was like, everybody to the stern side of the house, and we've got a heading of 257 degrees, and the wind is a million knots, and we're going to be just fine, everybody. And I thought, wow, this was the disciples' experience of Jesus. He's just asleep, and it's amazing. But as it goes on, he's going to do something in the middle of the storm. And it is going to point to this third option that is far better than any option we have available to us. The disciples woke him up, verse 38. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And if you were to look at the original language, there's actually a tone of rebuke that they have in their voice. They're saying, How could you sleep at a time like this, Jesus? Don't you care? That we're going to drown, but I think the piece of this verse that so jumps out to me is what actually woke him up. And and this is for you, and this is for me, and this is for this is for us to carry. What actually woke Jesus up was not the storm. What woke Jesus up? It was them. Jesus, you know, he might have opened an eye and said, Ah, it's a storm. We're good. But when it was the disciples, when it was his followers, when it's you and when it's me, he'll get up for that. Elsewhere in the book of Luke, he says, you know what your heavenly father is like? He's like somebody sleeping, and if you have a need, you can go knock in the middle of the night, and he will get up, and he will respond. See, this is a savior, that the storms of life don't phase him, But because he so wants a relationship with you and me, he'll get up when we wake him. He'll get up when we pursue him. When Jesus woke up, verse 39, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because Jesus understood, you have me in the boat. What on earth do you have to be afraid of? You have me in the boat with you. I mean, for all the worries that they must have had. They had forgotten his promise. Just, Just a few moments earlier, he said, we're going to the other side. And if God says you're going to the other side, you are getting to the other side. Aren't you? But even if he doesn't calm the storm... He says, you have me. Why are you so afraid? And then this option comes up. Verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Now, because we have this in English, we miss this. Because his question to them is, why are you so afraid? And the Greek word there that's used is like a scared fear. But when Mark says the disciples were terrified, the Greek word there was reverent fear. It was an awe-filled fear. It was a faith fear. It was a holy fear. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And you see another option here. I mean, in the middle of the storm, you could cry out. That'd be one option. And in the middle of being surrounded by people who are crying out, you could check out. But there's another option, and the captain of the ship that Jonah was on, and Jesus both pointed at the same thing. Or you can call out. You can call out to your heavenly Father, and you can know he will respond. He will respond. I came across a news story. Um, this happened a couple years ago, and I can't remember which city it was in. But there was a man who had so he had dropped his credit card on the sidewalk. And he got home, and he realized it was gone. So he just called the credit card company to cancel his card and get a new card. And to his surprise, they said, it's actually already been used. And as they were able to track where it had been used at, it was at a pizza place not far away from where he had been. And police were actually able to get there when the guy was still there who had used the card. He had put a total of $40.60 some cents on the card. And they arrested him, but as they began asking him questions, they discovered that the man who had used this stolen credit card had $250 cash in his wallet. They found out he had a dental practice valued at $3 million. Now, can you imagine not accessing the resources that you have? Because you know what Jesus says to the disciples in the boat and he says to you and me, because of what I've done for you, because of what I did at the cross, you have access to the spiritual resources you need to go through the storm. Maybe the piece that jumps out to me most about this passage is in verse 36 out of Mark 4. It says there were other boats with them. There were other boats with them. Now, Can you imagine being in a boat out on the water and you see in the boat next to you some people freaking out because the wind has picked up and the waves are starting to get higher and they're absolutely panicked and you notice there's a post sticking up out of the middle of the boat and you realize this crumpled up cloth that's tied to that post is a sail that they just haven't put up. What would you say? You'd say, why don't you use the sail to navigate the storm? Or if you were in the boat. If you were in the boat and you realized you had a sail, what would you do? Well, when the wind picked up, you'd probably use the sail, right? Let me me ask this a different way. Can you imagine being in a boat with you? Because this week, as we head into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you are going to be in a number of boats, and I'm going to be in a number of boats. There's a work boat, and there's a school boat, and a practice boat, and a neighborhood boat. And there are people that are honestly in the middle of life storms crying out. And the question for us, if we know Jesus as our Savior, if we've trusted in what he's done on our behalf, the question for us is the question for Jonah. Are you going to check out or can you call out right there? Because I often wonder, Jonah, what would have happened if you had right there, if you had right there turned from the direction you'd been running and said, "God, I know you're here." And I know that even in the midst of this storm, you can do what only you can do. See, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what you have? You have a sail. You have a sail, and you can call upon him and engage him. But that's hard to remember, isn't it? Because sometimes we get so focused on human need that we forget to be attentive to the presence of the one who is truly sovereign over the storm. And so last week we began with this question. There are two crucial questions as we're we going to pick up the pace as we go through Jonah. We've made it through all of six verses in two weeks, but we're going to pick up the pace. But there had to be two questions that we asked at the beginning. Last week was number one, who is he to you? Who is he really to you? Is his word direction or is it just a suggestion? But the second question we've got to ask ourselves is am I engaging him? Am I engaging that relationship, that faith, with my Savior? Really? Am I really, or am I checked out? Because those two questions are going to be crucial as we walk through the rest of the book of Jonah. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I often feel like on Sundays, there's this incredible thing that happens. We all show up here, and we're like sailboats on a sunny day. We put our sails up and and it's a beautiful thing and it looks awesome. But Tuesday, when the wind picks up and when the storms of life show up, you're going to need that sail. You're absolutely and I'm absolutely going to need that sail. And Wednesday and Thursday and whenever the storm hits, that's a sail that we're all going to need. Absolutely. And so, in the middle of the storm, what is my norm? Crying out, checked out, calling out to the one who the storms are subject to. I'd invite you to think on that, and next week we will pick up the pace as we head through Jonah. As the worship team comes up, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, will you open our eyes right now? Open our eyes first and foremost to who you truly are as we asked last week who are you really to us and if there's anybody in this room that maybe you've been a second opinion maybe you've been a voice in the background but there have been all kinds of things in front of that lord would you make it so clear who you are that you are so much bigger than anything we've ever thought you to be but second, as we've talked today and as we looked at Jonah and his situation today, would you open our eyes to those around us that as the storm shows up? Would you open our eyes to those in our lives that are crying out? And Lord, give us give us your spirit to not check out but to call out to you in anticipation and expectation that you are sovereign and you oversee even in the midst of the storm. And for all those walking through a storm in here right now, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would remind us that the storm that you calmed first and foremost was the one inside our heart if and when we turned our lives to you. And so write that on our hearts Stir us this week. Give us eyes to see who's walking through the storm that doesn't have what we have or maybe a better way to say it is who we have. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.